0: and welcome to the podcast ministry of New Life Church in Springfield, Ohio. We hope that the transformative truths of God's Word impact, challenge, and bless you. Somebody gave me a, uh, you know, told me a story. He was an old school guy. He gave me a story the other day, and, um talked about three different ministers, and we'll just say, you know, they were all out on a boat together, you know, fishing, you know, on a Saturday. They all ministered somewhere on Sunday, and uh, one of them was a Pentecostal guy, one was a Baptist guy, and the other guy was Presbyterian, so, you know, they, but, you know, they all came together and just were doing a little bit of fishing, and you got to talking a little bit. Um, You know, fish weren't really biting that much, but they were just kind of relaxing, and they just kind of, you know, we're had their own frustrations that maybe only another minister could understand. Just like, you know, if you're, a, if you're a nurse, there's certain things that no one else except for another nurse or, you know, someone in the medical field is going to understand or get. And so as they began to just kind of talk a little bit here and there, they began to, you know, just feel a bond a little bit. And they started to confess their own uh, their own sins. They started to, you know, say, this is the thing I struggle with. And the first guy, you know, the, the, uh, the whichever one it was, the Baptist guy said, you know, my, my issue is, you know, I don't tell anybody else that this stays in the boat. my issue... If I have one, every once in a while, it just gets too much. And so I'll leave for a few days, and I will just get out of my mind drunk, just blackout drunk. Uh, and nobody ever knows. No one ever knows. And that's just, you know, that, that's, that's my secret. You know, that's my secret sin. I just bore that. And then the next guy, you know, he, you know the, the, uh, like I'll get into some stuff, you know, and I'll, I'll go meet some people. And, you know, and th- this is my thing, and I, I do that. So I'm glad I got that off my chest, you know. That, that's my problem. That's my struggle. And the last guy... I think the only one left is Pentecostal in my story. That's not based on real events. And uh, he, he, they looked at him, and said, "How about you, Bud?" And he said, "Man, I, I do have an issue. Just like every every one of you guys, you know, I have an issue. Mine is a mine's gossip, and I cannot wait to get out of this boat." <laughs> I began to think about that story, and I've heard it before, but it just kind of cracked me up. Um, you know, all those sins are, are deadly, you know, and they can cause ruin. And they, you know, and the, the pursuit of that sinful lifestyle and, and sinning like that uh, is going to uh, divorce us from our relationship with God. That's what sin does. Sin, when it's finished, brings forth death. And you know, th- th- one was just something somebody said. One was something that he that he did. One involved somebody else. But you know, sin is sin. But as we begin to kind of think about it, you know, the deadly social mutation of sin in our world today. It's not that lost people sin. It's not that sinners sin. Like, that's how it's always been. That's, that, that's part of it, you know. If you're lost without God, you, you, you sin. And, and honestly, to live the life you should, you need Him in the first place. So, I mean, you're really hopeless uh, without God. Gawk to them. Of course somebody's broken. Of course somebody's lost. Of course they're living that lifestyle. They don't have Jesus. And it's not that the people who claim to be, uh, you know, saved, that they sin. You know, because they're still people and they still have a choice. That, that's not the new thing. That's not the mutation. That's not the thing that really worries me because people are people. And of course, like I said, sin is wrong. Sin will separate you from God. But it's not even that you know, people who claim to go to church and be Christians are sin, or even that good Christians make mistakes and fall short and lose their temper or, or you know, have struggles or valleys. It's not even that. The problem is that well, it's the ready acceptance of sin by moral people calling sin, something, I can live with it if if you'll own up to it, you know, and then I can tell you this is right, this is wrong, and this is what God expects of you, and that's your choice, you have free will, but what is really, really deadly right now is that people will say, hey, that's not wrong, or that uh, you know one one sin is just you know, just the same as another sin you know and, and you know that person you know he 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 does wrong but I can justify you know what I do because like I don't think he does everything just perfect and there's continual justification and that's how you know you need to check your heart but God gave us power to do the right thing He gave us the power to become the sons of God He gave us the power uh, to to win against sin in, in all of its vestiges. You do. Every every single area in, in your life, all of the little battlefields, all the little minefields where you struggle daily, you can win. Now, sometimes it's not just, you know, a quick sweep of everything in your life and you just say one simple prayer and all the problems, you know, disappear and go away. It doesn't always work like that. But I'm telling you, ultimately, you have the power by the Holy Spirit to win. God gave us the power to change the world, starting with our own. Counseling this young man in another state who struggled with pornography. And I have a statistic for you, and it's one that, you know, I have and that you know, I've seen, and it's played out in my own ministry. Like, I, I know this. And I told him, I was like, Bro, if, if you will get filled with the Holy Spirit and be refilled every day, I have never seen somebody who is filled with the Holy Spirit and has that open communion with God every day in their life. I have never seen them continue to struggle with this area and that's my own you know homegrown statistic but I'm just telling you uh, if you will get serious enough to actually pursue you know a, a life in the Holy Ghost to, to, to have that that interaction with God every day then you would be surprised how many battles you'd win you would be shocked you wouldn't believe exactly if you'll start out your day and you'll you'd be shocked at how much winning you'd do Tragically, the, the, the divorce rate in the church is no different, than hardly, than it is in the world. But here's a statistic, and this one is not me. This is a, from a Gallup poll in the University of Texas done on a control group of 1,156 couples. And of the couples who prayed together out loud, together, out loud, every single day, less than 1%, Ended in divorce. Isn't that amazing? And I began to think a little bit about uh, about this Bible story, and this just kind of came to me, you know, uh, just you know, a, a moment ago. But sometimes we just make things so much harder than they are. Uh, there, there, there was a famous general, a very great general of Samaria, and he, uh, he wanted to be healed because he had somehow contracted this terrible disease. He, had, he was a, a leper, he was very, you know, and it was a death sentence. And so he, this guy Naaman, he came and he wanted to be healed, and he came to the man of God because he heard there was a healer. That's how it is a lot of times. Whenever we get in the worst shape, then we go to the, to the number one source you know, that we should have been at you know, all along. But he has leprosy. He comes to him and uh, he says, what do you want? He brings all this gold and silver and money and, and, and clothing, all the beautiful things. that. And the man of God says, I don't want any of that. You can't buy a healing. Isn't that great? That that's not the currency of God. So you can't buy that. You can't, uh, you, you can't pump and prime that out of me. So here's what you do. You go and you go you'd be baptized, basically dunked in the river Jordan, which is muddy and nasty and grimy. You ever seen a gross river? Okay, that's what this was. You know, it's very low and, and you kind of just had to wade through. Very muddy, nasty river. You got to go under it, down and up, down and up seven times. And the crazy thing is that he balks at this. What, I don't get that. What I would have been thinking was, nice, that's Sounds like that is free 99 and I get to keep all of my gold, all of my silver, all of my stuff and, you know, the clothes. Like you're telling me you're not going to charge me anything for this. This is that's how I would feel like, you know, if so, if a mechanic said, you know, I'm, you know, your car is probably totaled, but I'm going to fix it for free. And all you got to do is just uh, just something is just mop the floor for me. And I get to keep, you know, my ten thousand dollars. I would jump at that, wouldn't you? Naaman does not jump at it because of pride. He does it because of pride. And he says, you know, I don't want to do this. Like, this. This is degrading to me. This is gross to me. I don't want to be a part of this. Like, you know, there are great rivers you know, where I come from, Euphrates, and you know, these different um, um, beautiful, you know, why should I do this? And so he about leaves and just walks out. And then a servant says to him, if the man of God had asked you to do some great, incredible thing, would you have done it? And he said, yeah. He said, then why won't you do this? This is nothing. This costs you nothing. You can, you can do this and we can be home by lunch. Healed. What is wrong with you? And so he kind of thinks about it. He says, all right. And then he does. He, he goes and he's, he's, he, he dunks himself seven times in the river and miraculously he's healed. And so my question today is, are you doing the simple things that work? Or are you expecting God to do some magnanimous, powerful, amazing thing that, that no one's ever seen before? Are you expecting thunder and lightning and all this other stuff to, to just, you know, the thunder to roll and, and powerful things? Are you expecting this crazy service where, you know, you just, you know, you're, you're lifted you know, up and just crazy things happen? What are you expecting from God if we won't do the simple, easy things that work? That's my question. I shared this story not too long ago. It was a very famous Viennese violinist and composer his name was Fritz Kreisler and he was so famous in his time you know in in, I believe the 1500s and everybody loved him he would fill up the gala every single loved you know his playing it was just you know he was a prodigy it was amazing what this guy could do with a violin just very you know popular in his day and here's what happened one day he was finishing up his performance you know after several encores Uh, it was over and then it, it was done it was time to go home and so as he began to walk off the stage you know, and began to exit the building, uh, he had a young lady that walked right up to him and said something uh, very very much like what you could see a pop fan doing today. And, they, and she looked right at Fritz Kreisler and said, You play so amazingly, so beautifully, it's unbelievable. I would give my life to be able to play like you. And without missing a step, he looked at her and said, I did. I gave up my life to play like me. And she just kind of took a step back and was like, I guess I wouldn't because I haven't. That's the way it works. Sometimes we, 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 we pray these really good professional sounding prayers and, and, you know, and we're saying, I want to move of God. But I won't move an inch to meet him. I won't move me. Think about that. I'd give anything. I'd give my life for a move of God, but would you give, like a, would you give a, a morning? Would stand up and say, I would not give my car if somebody else would get saved and not go to hell? I don't think a single one of you would stand and say, I, I like my car. I'd rather that person go to hell. If you do, you're sick. If you believe that. If you feel that way. So we know that you would do that. Would you just invite somebody to church? And here's the thing. How can God expect to believe the former when we don't practice the latter for free? Okay, not trying to guilt trip everybody, make you feel miserable. But uh, we need to see how deep our faith really runs in action. what would you do? And here's, the, here's another thing. Like if, you're, like if, you're, if your relationship you know, with your spouse or whoever is, is struggling and I'm sitting here reading a statistic based on um, quantifiable, verifiable information, informatio, from multiple sources saying less than 1% of people who do what I just said pray together out loud every day, if you will do that, then you're, it's almost, do you? I mean, if you knew something was going to work, but sometimes we don't. Young man, if you're struggling with, uh, you know, with whatever it is, and I'm telling you that you don't have to continue to struggle with it. God sent, and it's Pentecost Sunday, God sent His Holy Spirit so that we could overcome The world, starting with every battlefield in our life, starting with every problem, every issue, every broken place, every stronghold that is in your life, God sent you to conquer that first. And we're never going to get to our neighbor. We're never going to get to the next person. We're never going to get anywhere else. We're never going to delve into other people's lives until we've conquered the battlefields in our own. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them divided tongues as a fire, and one set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They were in the upper room because Jesus told them to be in the upper room. See, and and I'm not going to preach my whole message about after the Passover feast, something powerful happened in Jerusalem. Jesus has been ascended. You know, he's, he's now gone, and he's sending a comforter. He's sending an empowerer to make a difference in their lives and in the world. And that's what it looked like. And here's the wild thing. Because they are the empowered church, they have church. Another look through that scripture, uh, just through the whole passage. Uh, immediately, what happened after the outpouring of Pentecost? Uh, they all came together. First of all, so you, you got to come together. You got to uh, you, you got to bring you know, the, It says the multitudes gathered together in one place uh, to act to be proactive to move so I think uh, you, you can have you can be saved kind of doing your, your, your you, you don't have to be in church to be saved you can pray you can get a hold of God and thank God or else I don't know what I would do if I didn't have just that ready ability to reach out to heaven and to walk with God and him with me uh, however you, you can't have church by yourself that's why the Bible says you know uh, two or three are gathered in his name you know then he there I am in the midst it says forsake not uh, the assembling together of yourselves because there's something powerful that happened. So one thing, they all came together. They all went to the same place. They came together as a multitude. Next, the Spirit of God moved and the moving of the supernatural was evident in the Holy Spirit. Now, we've actually done most of that today already. He has stirred this place and you felt Him in your spirit. You have felt Him moving and seen the fruit of it. Now, the next thing that happened is Peter stood up under the fresh anointing in the Holy Spirit and preached from the Word of God. That's what I'm attempting to do right now, to read the Word, to preach the truth of his gospel and of his power. And the result of that is the conviction of the Holy Spirit caused 3,000 people to be saved that day. Isn't that incredible? That is the blueprint that we still follow today. I mean, there's a lot of other things that we read, you know, a lot of different other you know, teachings that, that, to complement that. But overall, uh, we're, we're trying to have a move of God and allow Him to do what He came to do, what the Holy Spirit came to do. So I want you to stand across the building today. And as I have kind of abbreviated my message today, Um, Worship team, I want you to go back into uh, our God. And I'm going to ask you this simple question. You have a need here today. A need that only God can meet. And I'm going to ask you how serious it is. Would you give everything that you have? Would you give a little bit? How desperate is your need? for God this morning. See, for, for if it's sin, if you need to be saved, then then there, there are people who, who who would spend their whole life's earnings, everything they had. If you need really healed, um, there are people in the Word of God, we find out that they spent all that they had, all of their sustenance, everything that they had and still had nothing to show for it. If you're here today and God, you want God to move in a relationship that you have and to bring healing to, to your heart what would you give what would you give to get that right with God and with your own heart to heal that relationship and so now here's my question in your mind you've probably said well yeah I'd, I'd give you know, anything for it to happen but will you come to an altar and seek God and allow him as you pour out your heart to move in your life, to move in this situation, would you surrender yourself? Would you come for it? Would you, would you do what the man of God asked? Because what the man of God asked in the Old Testament uh, you know, it was very simple. He said, I just need you to do something that uh, you know, maybe it's not your favorite thing to do. And, you, know, you have to kind of step out of your comfort zone for sure, uh, and you have to humble yourself a little bit. Um, that, that's Creating those kind of atmospheres is what I do that is not always a popular thing with you people i love you but that is always the most popular thing in the world to do because whenever you create an atmosphere you create a choice for people uh, to step out in faith that's what the man of god did he could have just said well, you just stay there and be healed and it'll be great that's not how faith operates that's not how faith works You have got to believe God you have got to believe that God can move in your life and that he will move in your life and then you have to put a little bit of action to it you have to be willing to step out in faith and say yeah I I do believe that God can do it And, and the man of God has laid down the challenge a little bit the gauntlet today and I believe him to work in my relationship I believe him to work in my life in my heart and I will step forward because I believe